Melvin. Ted. Esther. Gary. Who are these people? Well, I'm glad you asked. These uh, are some of the names of the people in my neighborhood. And, uh, and I know that uh, Melvin, he, uh, he used to have a grocery store in McMinnville. And uh, in fact, when I was in high school, I remember going to it. Didn't know that he was the guy. But I guess he had a grocery store for several years. He's retired now. Uh, in fact, he just recently remarried. He's in his late 70s. And he got married again. Now that's awesome. Right? Romance can happen all the way through our life. That's pretty cool. Uh, Gary, he uh, crossed the road from me. He recently asked me some advice on some concrete work that he was having done. And I have very little expertise on that subject, so I gave him plenty of, uh, of advice. And uh, he, didn't take, he didn't take any of that. But he's a good guy. Uh, Esther, her and her husband, uh, they're, they're advanced in age now, and uh, they've got a, an RV, and it's really awesome. But they've gotten to a point in their, in their life where they don't have, they can't quite get around as well anymore, so it just sits there. And that kind of bums him out, bums them both out. They're both, you know, in their 80s now. And uh, yeah, it's interesting uh, to get to know some of my neighbors. Um, and then Ted, uh, I don't want to leave out Ted, Ted is a, uh, a chaplain here in, uh, in Dallas, and he just recently moved right next door to me, so that's kind of cool. We see each other in the morning, and it's cool to see him there, uh, talk life and ministry with him. These are the people that I am in proximity to, and their stories are important. And uh, I realize that you know, God has placed each of us in a proximity to something. Now, some of you, I know you have property. Maybe you, you live out of town a little bit. Maybe you're on a gravel road. But there are people, maybe the maybe might be half a mile from you, but there are people in your proximity. And do you know who they are? Because I think those relationships matter. These are people that for whatever reason, God has placed us next to. And the question is, have we bothered to get to know them? Have we bothered to find out their name. You see, I'm praying for these people in my neighborhood. Now, several of them do go to church. They're followers of Christ, and that's awesome. Well, there's some other folks that don't, and I'm just praying for those folks because I want to do what I can to show love to the people in my neighborhood. Now, how about you? How many, I'm just going to take this, you knew, you knew this was coming. All right, so I want you to raise your hand if you know the name of at least one neighbor. Okay, it's good. How many know like three neighbors? Okay, all right. How many, how many in here know every neighbor like right close to your house, like the four or five houses right next to you? Okay, all right, a L- little less number. So you know their names. Do you know their last names? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm stepping on toes. Okay, how about this? Okay. How many of you know some of their stories? A few of us, all right. Well, I think we got some work to do, right? I mean, this should be an encouragement. We have some work to do to get to know people that got, for whatever reason, and I, we don't know for how long, right? Some of us move around. Again, some of us aren't in Dallas. We're in a different town, but God has placed us for a season. And so why, why don't we take the time just to get to know a neighbor or two? You know, find out their story. 
Find out what they're retired. Find out what they did in their life, you know. If they're, they're young, find out the name of their, of their kids or maybe they got grandkids. And find out their stories because these matter. If we say we love God, we also must love people because that's part of the deal. God loves us so much. Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Everybody, that means the people in your neighborhood, the people next door. And if we say, I love my town, then that's what we're talking about, loving the people that are in your proximity, right? Let's say that together. This is the last chance we get to do this. This is the end of this series. So, you know, you got stickers on some of the seats here. Andrew kind of went crazy and ordered some stickers. You can put those on your trapper keeper. Remember those? Anyway, uh, you can put that on your hydro flask. Okay, that's the current thing. Or on your car. But because we, we don't want this momentum to end. We want to take this on to November and December. And it's not just about a one-month deal. We want to show love to our town. So let's say it together. You know this. Three words. I love, four words, my town. <laughs> I went to Bible college. We didn't learn math. Okay, let's try it again. <laughs> Four words. Can we strike that from the record, Floyd? <laughs> Four words. I love my town. Good. That's good. So then you're going to love your neighbor. And I realize sometimes in saying that, we have, some of us have those neighbors. You know, you might have that neighbor that's got that car project seven years in the making, Right? <laughs> You might have that neighbor that never mows their lawn. Or you might have that neighbor that, you know, is disabled. Or, or uh, you know, you might have that neighbor that always has the loud music going. Or that's always staring at you through the window. That's creepy. You might have one of those neighbors. But the thing is, uh, when we say we love people, that's part of how God wired us. We, we love God. God and we love people. I mean, that means even the people in our, in our neighborhood. So we started this series talking about having a passion for our town, learning about our town, finding out where, where the, the, the needs are, looking at hurts and, and where, where, where places that, that God could speak life into in our town. So we talked about having a passion for my town. In week two, we talked about the idea of wanting to change for the good things in our town, that God has placed us here for a reason, for a season, and we get a chance to, to look at those needs and try to change our town for positive ways. Last weekend, we talked about how we want to bring Jesus to our town, and the large way that we do that is by building relationships and just telling our story. Build relationships. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You build relationships, and you just tell your story. That's what we do. We tell our story, and this week, we're talking about, and this is our final time right here, right? Our last, you know, encouraging message in this series and we're going to talk about serving our town so let's let's pause for a word of prayer lord each of us come before you right now and we come together as a group and we just ask for your strength father you're so good to us your mercies are new every morning and great is your faithfulness father help us to be empowered to love people in our town father for those in that we're in proximity with those that we're in a neighborhood with father i pray that you give us a soft heart for those people that are right next door to us in jesus name we pray Amen. Well, there's probably lots of scriptures we could go to to talk about you know, loving one another. But my favorite's got to be this story in Luke chapter 10. And uh, if, you, if you have a Bible or a device, start finding Luke chapter 10. And uh, most likely you know this story. Even if you're kind of new to the whole Bible thing, there's a good chance you've heard at least the name Samaritan. I mean, it's on the, the names of hospitals around here. Uh, so you probably heard something about the Good Samaritan. 
And in Luke chapter 10, we have Jesus in another moment with religious leadership. And this tended to be something that when you start to read and, and know a little bit more about the story of Jesus in, in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find that Jesus often had difficult conversations with those who were in power in the Jewish religion. And that included, like this story, a lawyer. Now, when we think of lawyer, we're thinking, you know, the, the guy in the suit that stands in front of the, you know, the judge and jury. A lawyer that we're talking about here in context, these are people that knew the law. So they called them lawyers, but they, they really, they studied the, the Old Testament scriptures and they knew the law. They knew what you were supposed to do. They knew what you weren't supposed to do. That was their, that was, that was their job. And so at one point, Jesus is having a conversation uh, with some of those folks. And, and in verse 25, we, we pick up the story. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Inherit eternal life. And he said to him, what is, what is written in the law? Uh, how do you read it? Here's Jesus once again, ask a direct question. And what does he do? Flips it and asks a question. Now, uh, we read right over this, but remember, what was the, the guy's job? He knew the law. So for Jesus to ask this, might have kind of stopped this guy for a second. Like, do you know what I do for a living? Mr. Jesus of Nazareth, I am a lawyer. So when you say, what's written in the law, I know what's written in the law. So that's how Jesus kind of, you know, I love how he creates ownership. You know, Jesus tended to teach with questions. It's amazing how I think Philip Yancey wrote uh, a book on this, but th there's so many times where Jesus has asked direct questions, and instead of just coming out with the answer, he asks a question. Why? Why is that so powerful? I think we have to own it. Like, people had to own it. Like, they had to, you know, there were times where Jesus would see someone that needed a healing, and Jesus would have the audacity to say, what do you want? Well, isn't it obvious? The guy can't walk. No, Jesus would ask, what do you want? So Jesus tended to ask questions. And here he is, here's his lawyer, hotshot lawyer, and Jesus said, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And uh, he answered, Verse 27 here, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That's basically Deuteronomy 6, all right? And uh, Jesus, he, he answered him, said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, there's a bit of motive there, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied by telling a story. He doesn't answer it directly. He tells a story. Here we go. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem was kind of up on a hill a little bit, so they had to go down to, to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, interesting choice of people, Considering these are probably the colleagues of our good lawyer friend here, Jesus did not pull punches here. <laughs> Bam. So a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, but a, but a Samaritan, not well liked by the Jewish people. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion. 
And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, you know, uh, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, well, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. How many have heard that story before? Many of us probably heard that story. You know, convicting on a number of levels. And certainly, uh, here, Jesus is telling this story, and he's choosing people with occupations to prove a point. These, this Levite and this priest, they were people whose jobs were to run the temple and to do religious stuff. And, you know, how ironic, the two people that are supposed to be about that sort of thing couldn't be bothered to help someone out. But the Samaritan, what does it say? He had compassion. He had compassion. And apparently this guy was probably on a, a business trip. You know, you can picture him in modern day. I mean, he's got his suit on. You know, he's got his, you know, briefcase. He's a drug rep. I don't know. But he's on his, he got a business trip. I always feel like those are the nicest, you know, dressed people in the doctor's office. Anyway, uh, I digress. So he's, he's, you know, on his way. He, he has things to do. Uh, he's rich enough to have an animal, you know, probably, a, you know, a beast of burden of some sort. You know, rich enough to have, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and he is the one that decides being interrupted is okay. And that's quite the interruption. You know, if you think about it, put yourself in this guy's shit. He's rushing on. He's got a business meeting. I got to get there. You know, I got to do this. And then he sees this guy. And he, even with, you know, being probably well-dressed, he has to go down and get the guy out of the ditch. I mean, can you imagine kind of what's going through your mind? I mean, we've seen folks like this. Maybe you know, uh, we're driving through Portland or something. We see someone that's, that's in need. But this guy, you know, he, he, he sees this guy, and he, he's willing to get down, take his sport coat off, get down there in the mess. I mean, the guy was probably bleeding, you know. He didn't have any rubber gloves on, so he, he's got he's to deal with it. I mean, just put, put yourself in those shoes. He's got to be literally interrupted. Then he puts the guy on his own animal, takes him to this inn, and uh, not only pays for, you know, a night or two or whatever, but he's like, anything else you incur, when I get done with my business trip, you know, I'm going to come back, and I'll intentionally come back here and repay you. Now, that's, yeah, that's showing, showing compassion. That's what that story is all about. And I wonder, I wonder about us sometimes when we, when we encounter things, we see things, <sighs> What's going on inside of us? Are we wrestling with, well, then I would have to do this. And your mind starts to go all those places. You know, what, well, what about this? And I realized, look, we said all the way through this series that we, we can't fix stuff, generally speaking. We can help. We can't solve all the problems, but we can, we can solve maybe a one. Some of you were noticing I've got some items up here. Now, a few weeks back, I kind of confessed that, you know, to you that uh, I saw a need and I didn't do anything about it. Well, I thought about it, if you remember that story, uh, just being honest with you. And uh, I wasn't prepared. And so I was convicted this week. So I went to Walmart and I spent about $15, four protein bars, four pairs of socks. I don't want to drive by a need anymore. I realize this may not fix it, 
Okay, I get that. I'm not going to solve the homeless crisis. I'm not going to fix, I don't know how to fix all that. Those problems are too big. But if I see one person, I can help a little bit. You know, three bucks is worth, worth it to me. We see a need. We try to, we try to do something about that. I, I don't want to be that person that sees a need and decides it must be someone else's job. You know, we've said this right several times, and we keep driving by a need, you know, and we're thinking, oh, man, somebody ought to do something about that, you know. Pastor Ben ought to do something about that. Well, maybe Pastor Ben's never going to see that. And God put it in your eyesight so you see it. And then I, maybe, maybe, just maybe God might be calling you to meet that need. So where, where are areas of our town, you know, as we've been going through the series, where are areas in our town that, that have some dark strongholds, that maybe Satan, the deceiver, has been kind of you know, holding people back with, you know, with addictions and, and abuse and being marginalized, generational poverty. What are areas in this town that we could bring some hope and light to? How could he use us to maybe, maybe move it a little, little more toward Jesus? Is there a way for us to show compassion in our town? We're like his hands and feet, you know? where God gets to do work through us. He gets, to, he gets to, you know, empower us to do some things that are good. And what is it that God's putting in your, your framework or my framework that we, we might could address? So it starts with who are your neighbors, right? Who are neighbors? I mean, that's really what Jesus said right at the end, right? Who, who was neighborly? It was the Samaritan that actually was okay with being interrupted and took care of these guys' needs. Now, you know, it's interesting. We don't really know the whole story. We don't even know the Samaritan's name. You know that? We don't know his name. We don't know the guy that he helped. What did the guy that he helped do later? I don't know. You know? Did he come to faith? We don't know. Did he... Uh, I, we don't know. We have no idea what happened to this guy that he helped. But the point of the story is when we saw a need, when the Samaritan saw a need, he, he, he got into the ditch and got this guy out and helped him. Maybe it was just that one moment, a couple days, helped this guy, and who knows what happened after that. But, but he saw a need and met it. And the question is, God has placed you somewhere. God has put you in a town with people around you somewhere. And even if you're on a gravel road, you got someone at least a half a mile down or whatever. Look, probably for safety's sake, you got to know at least one person that lives on your gravel road. You know, just for the sake of, you know, just practical here. I'm just being practical. But there's, there's a reason God has put you where he has and so, do you know your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors? Uh, a few years ago, I, I read a book called The Art of Neighboring, and uh, it talked about a uh, really, really great book, but one of the things it said is, and this is a practical, silly thing, it's actually something that, I, that I've tried to do in the last several places that, that my wife and I have lived, my family's lived, is uh, you take out a, a piece of paper, and you, know, you kind of put your house, you know, maybe right here, and then you start to go out and try to see how many names and phone numbers you got for your neighbors. How many do you have? And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. I mean, certainly if there's an emergency or you're going to be out. I mean, there's a practical reason to have some of those numbers, right? I get that. But you know what it does for me? It reminds me to pray for them. I need reminders. I'm sorry. I got to have reminders. I got to have, you know, 
I'll forget stuff. And so I have reminders. And that's one way that's helped me is I just kind of did a, a neighborhood map. I'm kind of working, one on, uh, working on one for my, the neighborhood that we live in now. Uh, you, you already heard. I've got a few names. I've got a head start. I'm going to figure out, you know, who these names are so that I can pray for them and I can have responsibility for them if I need to, to show a little bit of love to some of my neighbors. So do you know your neighbors? Maybe you're going to do that. Maybe that's the thing you take away today is you're going to go home and try to make up a map. You know, I challenge you. It's like the map challenge. Can you, can you come up with those names right around you? You see, when we see a need, maybe we need to start asking God, are you asking me to, to meet that need? can't fix it all, but we might be able to fix a little bit. We might be able to help a little bit. So I got, I got three key words. This is how we're going to wrap up the series. Three key words that I hope will live on beyond this 30-day thing we've done. Beyond this four-week I love my town thing. That I would hope that this would go into November and December and August. When we say I love my town, it means we love, we love the people here in our town. And so here we go. Three words. First one is Responsibility. When we have seen, we have some responsibility. We won't see everything, but when we've seen, we have some responsibility. Maybe we could take some responsibility. Look, what we don't want is to have a do not disturb approach. That I can't be bothered, you know. And you think about it, let's go back to the story. You know, these religious leaders, you know, they're doing this great work for God. They couldn't be interrupted. I got God stuff I got to do. I got to go set up the temple. I got incense. And those are all true, sure. We got stuff we got to do. But they couldn't be disturbed. And we want to avoid the do not disturb way of life. That we can be okay to be interrupted. I realize that we're busy people. But what if God has a divine appointment for us and we're just not going to be disturbed? You know, God just might call on someone else. I guess you got your do not disturb on. You know, we don't want to live that way, right? You, you, some of you got cell phones, you got the do not disturb setting, and that's helpful, actually, by the way. It's a good thing. I'm not dissing that. It's a good setting. But the idea is we don't want to live life like that. You know, let's not live in do not disturb moments. Our relationship with God is personal, yes, but it's never private. It's public. Being part of the Jesus movement is public. And we get a chance to be his hands and feet. And so we don't want to live with a do not disturb set. We're called to bless. Let's be okay with interruptions every once in a while. All right. So responsibility. And I just love how the Good Samaritan story just hits me right there every time I read it. I'm like, ah, oh, this guy, he got in the ditch. You know, it's convicting, isn't it? It's like, okay, number two, availability. That we're going to be available. So we're responsible, but also we're available. Make ourselves available. Is God trying to use us to, to do something, and we're just, I'm just not available. Not my time. I'm not available. Be available. God may be trying to, to, to use you. He may be trying to do something supernatural through you. The Holy Spirit may be guiding you, and, and, and you need to be available to what God is, and, and, and be okay with, again, being inconvenient. So responsible we want to be available and finally compassionate. We want to be compassionate. This means sometimes when you're at that intersection and uh, you see someone with a sign, maybe a small step is just looking them in the eye. 
you know, I've done this where I try to avoid looking at their eyes. You know what I'm saying? And I'll admit that, and I don't like that. Part of why I got these. They're in my truck. But looking someone in the eye, you know, acknowledging that they're a human being, that's a huge deal. You know, people have all kinds of struggles. Looking at them in the eye, acknowledging them, having compassion in that moment for them. Again, we can't fix some of this stuff. It's a big thing. It's a, you know, we can't solve all those issues. I realize, you know, you, you start thinking through, well, you know, you know folks don't have a, a home. There could be addiction, yes. There could be, you know, maybe mental health is not good. There could be PTSD going on there. All kinds, it's complex. I get it. It's so complex. But what if you could just look someone in the eye and have some compassion? I, th- I think that's something that we need to pr- be praying about. Let us have compassion. You know, and, and, and here's maybe a way you hadn't thought of it, and this is something that, again, is convic- convicting to me. You know, like this Samaritan guy, he may have been thinking, you know, lots of different thoughts as he's deciding. I mean, he probably didn't see the Levite pass through. He probably didn't see the priest, right? So, and, and, you know, if, if there was a robber situation, it may be kind of a stretch of road that was a little shady, you know, maybe that had, so maybe he's got a, a dangerous situation going on here. I mean, just put yourself in, the, in his shoes, right? And he's a rich guy, and someone just got robbed. What would you be worried about? Are you next, right? Where are these people? Are they waiting for me? And now I'm on this business trip. I, I got, you know, just put yourself in his shoes. And so he may have been thinking, man, this guy has need, but you know, I, I might be in trouble if I do this. If I stop, I might be. We're often thinking about us. Like, what's going to happen to me? What, what if we turn that around? What would happen to that person in the ditch if I did nothing? I think maybe we need to flip that around. You know what I'm saying? Like, actually worry about the person in the ditch. What if, what, what if I do nothing? What's going to happen to them rather than what's going to happen to me? Me, 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 me. This is something that I think for every Christ follower, we need to be praying through. When we see needs, we're starting to think about how it's going to affect me. But what if, what if we start thinking about what if I do nothing? What's going to happen to them? Does that make sense? I'm really asking the Lord to rewire my thinking here a little bit that I would worry about if I did, if I did nothing, what's going to happen? Ultimately, the story is about kindness. Showing kindness, being interrupted, you know, kind of going overboard to make sure someone's needs are taken care of. You know, and the thing about kindness is it's soul nourishing. If you've ever done any kind of volunteer work, I don't know what it is, but there's something that just triggers a great feeling of you've helped someone else. You've got your mind off of your stuff, and you're helping someone else. There is something about it. It's soul nourishing. And many of you know what I'm talking about. It, it, it just helps us when we help other people. You know, I think about this too. This Samaritan has to get into the ditch to help this guy. Kind of reminds me of a bigger story about a savior who had to get into the mess to save us. And he did it with a smile on his face. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's a love I can't quite figure out. Right? He got into the ditch. All the riches of heaven and he's born in a humble way. We're going to celebrate that in December. But God into our mess, 
It was okay to be interrupted. God wants us to love our town and serve our town. Whatever that need might be that God might put in your, in your, in your wheelhouse, what can, what can you do maybe to, to, to move the ball a little bit farther forward? What could you do to push the needle of compassion a little bit, right? We're responsible. We don't have our do not disturb on. We are available and we have compassion. Here's, here's an easy thing. And this is something that I'm going to be saying in my life. When we, when we see a need, we meet a need. See a need, meet a need. Say that with me real quick. See a need, meet a need. Something as simple as that. Maybe that could help us carry this forward. You know, in week one, we wrote notes. Some of you are here for that. We wrote notes to people in our city. We wrote notes to people that have been mentors to us, people that, that helped us. You know, we just wrote a thank you note to encourage them, let them know you're praying for them. That's really cool that we did that. In week two, you know, we kind of blew the socks off for the food bank. That was super awesome. I'm so proud of our church family for doing that, by the way, because when that guy said, man, you guys brought the good stuff, that put a smile on my face. We didn't dump a bunch of pickled beets on them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Got them the good stuff. And, uh, and, yeah, last week was, uh, you know, maybe unsettling for some of us. Last weekend, we had clothes here, uh, you know, that people had, you know, donated, and they were for when a family gets dis- displaced or there's a fire, something like that, and they got an emergency need, and they can't afford to buy clothes. And we were able to, to sort a bunch of clothes. You know what was cool? We had a team that went over and above the call. They went over and cleaned where that room is, cleaned it up, labeled it, So when a family is hurting, that's not another barrier for them. They can go there and they can find what they need right away. That is awesome. Today, as you know, and you saw in the back there, people brought some diapers, some formula. Uh, That's a a great thing for us to be doing. And I don't want it to end just in October, right? That when we see a need, we're going to try to meet a need. And Bambinos, we're we're able to bless them, bless these young moms. I got to tell you, the experience that I had, so I went to Walmart this week, and uh, I, I, I realized now it's been a long time since I've had a baby in the house, okay? <laughs> I'm a man of a certain age. I can accept that. Uh, diapers are expensive. And I don't know what the 3T, 5T, I have no idea. Moms and grandmas out there, you're like, you dummy, yes. Uh, but I realized, you know, that's an expense. And, man, if we can help a, a mom who's struggling, you know, maybe, you know, she's now a single mom, help her so she's not making a decision between a food item or some diapers. We can do these little things. It's not going to solve all the problems. Solve it for one person. I mean, maybe we could do for one what we wish we could do for many, right? We, We can do that. So those have been the action items. Remember, and this matters to me. I mean, it matters to the Lord. Remember what he said in Matthew 25. This is Jesus' own words. And he said, hey, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. These little things matter. They matter. Imagine if we, as a church family, could serve Satan notice that he didn't have rain in our town anymore because we have the love of Jesus empowering us to even speak to dark strongholds in this town. Those areas where it seems like there's no hope, we get to be Jesus' hands and feet and, and help and bring light to those areas. When we see a need, we can meet a need. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we just ask for your presence this week 
as we just try to see needs and meet needs, uh, Father, help us to have open hands. Uh, Father, open our eyes, soften our hearts to the needs around us. Help us to bring your love and light to the dark strongholds that are, that are here in our town. You know, generational poverty and abuse. Uh, all these things that people are dealing with, Father, help us to bring love to that. And when we see a need, help us to do something about that. Renew our passion to be responsible, to be available, to allow ourselves to be interrupted just like that, that Samaritan was. Father, help us to, to show compassion to the